0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me today is Linda. Hello. We got a very good show for you. Uh, I'm finally happy that someone has taken up the mantle to join me on the podcast because talking for like 50 minutes to an hour by myself wrecks my voice. So (laughs) thank you for joining. Um, I can't wait to talk about all the horror goodness that we have today.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. I love being back on the borough, whether it's podcast or video.
0: <laughs> yep. Hopefully video coming at you soon here. But, uh, you know, coronavirus and all that. So,
1: oh, lucky <laughs> um,
0: us. what was that?
1: It said lucky us.
0: Lucky us. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, we'll get over it someday. Um <laughs> But before we get into the show, I do want to tell you a little bit about Buzzsprout. Because today, just like any other day, is a great day to start your own podcast. And whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show... Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online, and Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Um, Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories, uh, for instance, like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Um, So I would recommend joining over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout here at the Into the Borough podcast and can attest that it's a cakewalk compared to like some of the other hosting platforms that we've used in the past. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab some gear that you already have, then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and help support our show by using that link in the show notes. So, we can't wait to hear your passion whatever it may be. For us, it's uh it's definitely movies and more specifically horror movies and uh I love talking about it. So, um I can't wait uh for the show today. What have you been up to during, you know, corona times? Uh I've just been basically watching a lot of, you know, streaming movies.
1: Uh Really, that's all there is to do these days, you know? (laughs) Um, Lane and I have been just trying to watch as many new releases as we can that are being shown on streaming services, such as Hulu and Netflix. Uh, We got Amazon Prime. Uh, I recently watched The Varium with him on Amazon Prime, and Hmm. that one's the one with uh, Imogen Poot and Jesse Eisenberg, and that one was actually really, really good. Uh it just Okay. Yeah, that one's definitely one to catch if you have Amazon Prime Video available. Uh it was just a really good one to to watch especially with COVID going around.
0: Okay. Uh I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that the suburban looking movie where they're like trapped in like um ever like ever ever non-changing houses basically all the houses are the same yeah it it looks like a suburban nightmare so i do i did want to check that out i'm glad to hear that you actually liked it because i was a little bit worried about it i actually didn't see any of the reviews or anything so um i may have something new to stream oh yeah um okay well uh I think we're going to get into the news here. Um, a lot to cover this week, a lot of industry news, just because I personally like getting the angle on what's happening and what's changing within the industry rather than talking about who's cast and what. Although sometimes that's exciting, um, you know, specifically around Scream 5 and only Scream 5. Uh, but uh, exactly. <laughs> I just want to know what's going on with that movie. When are they going to cast Nev Campbell? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure she'll join. Oh, but. she's
1: coming back. We all know she yeah, will. It's okay. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> well, once Courtney Cox signed on, I was like, ah, okay. So now she's like kind of forced to just because the other two have. So <laughs> whether um, like, they
1: forced or voluntarily, like she has to be in this movie. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and like, I hope that they also bring back Hayden Panettiere. Um, oh I'm my really gosh.
1: Gonna... I've been wanting to talk to you about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I want Hayden Panettiere back. And I you think do. that that would. One- yeah. If well, okay. Look, if they're not going to get ne- Nev Campbell back, um, if Hayden Panettiere, you know, wants to take up the role of Kirby again, I don't see why not. Like they set her Kirby up didn't...
1: to be a replacement for Sydney. It felt like at least in Scream Four, it seemed like it.
0: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, and she's kick ass too. I just, uh, like, if they're not going to get Nev Campbell back, then they have to make the main character Kirby. So, like, yes. I don't really care. There is not an option. <laughs> um. Okay. But uh. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Let's get into the news. If you'd like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough Podcast, please consider signing up for a monthly subscription or even making a one-time donation through our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers three distinct tiers. Candyman, a $1 a month subscription to simply offer your support. It follows a $2 a month subscription to get early access to videos. And finally, Hereditary, which is a $5 a month subscription for exclusive videos and all of the other tier perks. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain sustainable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com theburrreviews your movie refuge. The latest news from last week. Elisha Fieldstat. And NBC writes, AMC theaters will begin reopening in waves beginning on August 20th, the company announced. More than 100 theaters across the country will open next week, and two-thirds of the chain's U.S. locations will be open by September 3rd, the company said in an email sent to customers Wednesday. Locations and their opening dates are listed on AMC's website. Opening dates for theaters in some states like New York, New Jersey, and California remain unannounced. Quote, if a date is not listed, the theater will be reopened based on its local and state guidelines and when they allow it, AMC's website said. Mia Galubo in The Hollywood Reporter writes, In time for Halloween, Amazon is partnering with Horror House Blumhouse on a film program. Welcome to the Blumhouse will be a program of eight genre movies produced by Jason Blum's Blumhouse Television and Amazon Studios that will launch on Prime in October and boast talent like Joey King and Sydney Sweeney. This slate marks the first ever program of Amazon Original Movies on Prime Video that are thematically connected. Blumhouse Television produces an anthology series, Into the Dark, for Hulu, which sees a monthly release of installments that are roughly the length of the feature film. The first four movies of the program all of which focus on family and love, will be released as double features. With The Lie and Black Box premiering on October 6th and Evil Eye and Nocturne debuting on October 13th, the latter four films will launch in 2021. Matt Goldberg of Collider Rights Disney, which has always had a tortured relationship with its back catalog of features, is planning to cease production on live-action 4K Blu-rays. The Digital Bits reports, quote: Beyond new release theatrical titles, animated fare from Disney and Pixar, or Star Wars and Marvel-related projects, there were no plans at the studio going forward to release titles on physical 4K Ultra HD. Future releases would be 4K digital only. Right now, it appears that the last live-action 4Ks from Disney will be Home Alone and Hocus Pocus. It's not so much that 4K is the end-all be-all of home entertainment as much as those discs were a way to preserve and value older films in a way that would provide them with some permanence. Chris Evangelista in Slash Film writes, Film festivals have been hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic, and while there are some attempting to compensate with limited capacity events, others have just flat out been canceled for the year. But rather than give up, the organizers behind the Boston Underground Film Festival, Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, North Bend Film Festival, the Overlook Film Festival, and Popcorn Frights Film Festival are joining forces for Nightstream, a virtual film festival that will run in October, specifically from October 8th to the 11th. Programmers from all five film festivals are collaborating on the Nightstream lineup, and each film will be recognized as the official selection of each film fest. There will also be a short film selection that will be individually curated by each festival, along with live events and panels. The full lineup will be announced sometime in September. Proceeds from Nightstream will be shared with all participating filmmakers and artists, and donations will be made on behalf of each associated festival to charitable causes and local businesses in their home cities. Early bird badges are now on sale, with options for badges being a 5-film bundle and a 10-film bundle, priced at $55 and $90 respectively, with each badge granting unlimited access to live events and panels. And that concludes your last week's news update. Hey, did you know that we have our own YouTube channel? There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and even some Let's Plays. Lately, we have been focused heavily on our curated horror content. But, we have a goal to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the year, and it would mean everything to the team to reach our goal. Simply search The Burrow Reviews on YouTube, and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell if you enjoy the content. The Burrow Reviews. Your movie refuge. All right, so let's discuss some of that news because there's a lot to cover this episode. I think last week was pretty heavy on the news topics too. Same thing um, that's occurring this week, just because we've got a lot of industry news. Um, Here on the Into the Bureau podcast, we really try and like focus on like industry news rather than like the latest casting news or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm just more interested in how the industry works and like how it's shifting and changing all the time. So it kind of fits in nicely with our first story, which is. Um, AMC opening up next week Um, (laughs) And the majority of locations In early September Now AMC is beginning on August 20th um, They're going to be reopening in waves uh, According to their company spokesperson Uh, More than 100 theaters across the country Will open And they're doing like 15 cent tickets From what I understand For like I don't know how long they're doing that promotion But um, 15 cents for For a film that's not a that's not a bad deal, and I kind of hope we see that around here. That way I can get some cheap movies, but they're doing, like, a lot of, like, throwback films. So, like, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future, um, all of those kind of old classic movies is what they're kind of focusing on with their reopening, which I think is a brilliant idea because, like, would I want to go see Jurassic Park in the theater? Of course, like, I haven't actually seen Jurassic Park in the theaters, so... It would be a really like cool opportunity to just get people you know going back to the theater, although I think in some places it probably is still a good idea to remain in lockdown. I don't know how you feel about all of this, like do you think that a m c should stay closed for a little while longer, or do you think they should basically stagger their businesses in waves like they're doing right now?
1: Uh, so from my understanding, I believe that I mean, I I can see where they're coming from. Like people do want the theaters to reopen. It really is just a matter of if we are prepared for that or not. And mm. to me, I'm really not sure. Like when I was reading the article, uh it I was really concerned because they said that masks would be mandatory. For everyone, which I like to hear, but then they said that it wasn't going to be mandatory to anyone who's eating. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if you're not going to actually require masks for everyone, are you going to at least abide by the six foot rule? So I was relieved to read on and and see that the theaters are only going to be filled by 30% and that uh, show times are going to be spaced out a lot more. So it gives the staff a little bit more time to clean. Um, Mm -hmm. But from what you said earlier about the ticket prices and everything, um, I believe it's my understanding that if you can find a location that's open, that's like opening on August 20th, um the tickets will be about 15 cents plus tax but it's only for that day and then yeah and then the theaters that are releasing the old movies like beauty and the beast back to the future jurassic park um those films will actually only be five dollars so it is still a pretty good discount um personally i wish that the 15 cent price would not be that day only but you know yes um
0: (laughs) Yeah, and the $5 isn't bad either, Um, you know, for for films like Back to the Future and, like, Empire Strikes Back. And um, I know some theaters are doing Jurassic Park, like I said. So I I don't think that the $5 is a bad idea, but the $0.15 for, like, new releases. So, for instance, some theaters are reopening um, with the new Mutants, who has... They they've like stuck to that production like release date for a while now, um, just because they've moved it so much already. Who knows like when we were going to see the New Mutants? Um, but they're pretty firm in their in their belief that they're going to release that on the twenty eighth of this month, um, and. I, you know, I hesitate that this is the right decision in a lot of places, but I know for some places, um, you know, it's probably okay to open back up and start staggering. Keeping their theaters limited to 30% capacity is a good idea. Um, and it's so easy for them to block out seats. Um, when I was at the theater, you know, I would have to block out seats for like leaks and stuff like that. And it's like two clicks. So basically what the programmers have to do at the start of the week is go in there go in their like theater system um, on the computer and basically just block out every seat for every showtime. But there are ways that you can block out the same seats for the whole entire week. Um, It's just going to be, they're going to have to do that every time that they switch bookings or they get a new booking in the theater. Um, So it's going to be a little bit tedious on their end, but like, I think that it's the right thing to do. And yeah, if even if people don't have like popcorn or something, you know, those lights are going to go down and people are going to instantly take off their masks. So it just (laughs) goes beyond, um, it just goes beyond the food and beverage side of things really. And I just wish people would be honest about it because, you know, keeping up the guise of, um, you know, that everyone's going to follow the mask mandate and the mask rules is just not how the world works. And also, Those ushers already have to clean so much in between each showtime, and sometimes they only get, you know, at most like 10 minutes to clean. And so adding in all these extra steps, they're going to have to limit the amount of showings that they
1: have in a day. Oh, yeah. Especially Um, if they're going to try to up the bar on um, sanitization and they're probably going to have to clean up a lot of masks too <laughs> cuz you know people really are just going to take them off like they can't see us why why are they going to try to enforce it on me
0: Exactly and and like <laughs> and the thing is too like AMC's doing the smart thing um and I wish I hope all the theaters do this but they're going to be selling masks for a dollar uh-huh. at the door um and I just hope that they really like enforce, like strictly enforce all of these rules um, because it's important to keep people and their health, you know, um, avoidance of any risk because as we've seen this, this virus does damage to a lot of, a lot of people. So I just hope they take it seriously, but I do think we can start reopening in some places. What I don't want them to do is jump the gun. So that's basically all. Um, but, if you want to go to the theaters and you feel comfortable going to the theater um you know with a couple of friends, maybe like your family, uh just try and you know follow the follow the guidelines that the theater chains have you know set forth just to keep people safe um But as far as that news story, I think that's about all that we got there. Um, I want to talk now about Amazon and what they're doing with their Blumhouse film program. Welcome to Blumhouse. Um, I love this idea. So the program features eight movies in total. um four will launch this October and we're already getting information about those four films. Um, but they'll star talent like Joey King um and uh, a lot of other you know actors that are kind of in the indie horror scene um and it's really exciting because the slate marks the first ever program for Amazon, original movies on prime video. And they're all thematically connected through Blumhouse Television, which is really cool because basically you're getting like a film anthology series, which is kind of what they did for Hulu with Into the Dark, um, which I only watched a couple episodes of Into the Dark, but I really enjoyed it when it was on Hulu. Um, so the first four movies of the program, which will they'll all focus on like family and love, and they'll be released as double features with The Lie from the black box premiering on October 6th and evil eye and nocturne debuting on October 13th. So they're back to back like on weeks as well. Um, and then the other four films will launch in 2021. I imagine production was kind of halted with, you know, the start of coronavirus and everything, but, um, are you going to tune in for this?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love Blumhouse features. I mean, Like any other production company, they have their fair share of hits and misses. Mm -hmm. But the movies that they did really well are ones that I actually really, really like. And I think that this is such a cool concept, especially considering everything that's going on. I think that this is a really good idea for them to release uh, new films, especially ones that are in an anthology type feature. Because like you said, uh, Hulu's Into the Dark. Uh, movies like there are some that aren't really the greatest but then there are some that are actually truly suspenseful and really fun to watch and i like that they're kind of staying within the amazon services with this one like from what i read uh the movie evil eye is based on one of their audible original audiobooks Mm -hmm. so i think it's really cool that they're able to adapt that into a film
0: Yeah, um, that's all really cool. And um, I want to like read you a quote from Julia Rappaport, who co heads the movies that Amazon releases on their service. Um, She says, quote, this collection from diverse and emerging filmmakers was a thrill to put together with our wonderful partners at Blumhouse Television. These chilling stories have something for everyone ready to frighten, delight genre fans and newcomers alike. And we are excited to share them with our global Prime Video customers. So one of the things that they're doing with this collection is they're really shining the spotlight on like emerging filmmakers with a diverse background, whether that be, you know, where they come from, um, their their points of view. So they're not going like with the like the normal kind of standards that are set for the industry of Hollywood typically, which is very like, you know, white centric and, um, you know, they don't. We've gotten better over the years, but Hollywood, you know, for a long time didn't really like, you know, include any diverse voices in the filmmaking process. So for them to like take that initiative and then for them to also on top of, of doing their diversity initiative for them to um, kind of uh, go at this with the aim of bringing new people into the genre like Clubhouse. Like I love that. What that reads to me is that not all of these films are going to be super, like, terrifying or anything like that. It's going to be more of what Blumhouse has done kind of with, like, something like The Invisible Man or something like Get Out, where it's not inherently, like, genre-based and where they can rely on some of the other, like, thematic threads that aren't horror to like amplify the 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 horror story in general, um, which is exactly what Get Out and Invisible Man did. I mean, if you remember, like Get Out had this huge debate at first of whether or not they were actually like making a horror movie with it um, or if it was a horror movie. And the same thing kind of happened with Invisible Man just because, you know, that story centered around like abuse and like trauma. Uh, and so, like, I think that they're taking that kind of spin on these four Projects, and I can't wait to see him. But um, with all that, why don't we move into uh, Disney and their 4K releases? Uh, so, this is a huge news story, um, like tremendous, because basically, what's happening is Disney is halting um their physical 4K releases in their live action catalog. So they're doing away with a lot and basically this wipes out all of 20th Century Studios films. So no more physical 4K releases of Alien. Uh I'm pretty mad at that. I'm so mad that they have just disrespected all of like the properties of 20th Century Studios. They're basically, they're still going to do 4K releases, but it's going to be for things um, like their staples. So like the Avengers, for instance, will probably still get a 4K physical release. Um, this doesn't mark the end of physical releases by any means, but it is, you know, one step towards having a world where we're watching movies digitally um, completely. Uh, how do you feel about this?
1: I guess I was just uh, more or less confused because like you said, they, they mentioned in the article that they weren't going to completely stop it so I guess I I just don't really understand why they're not doing it anymore to begin with because uh, from what I understand they, they're going to release Home Alone and Hocus Pocus in the 4K release but mm-hmm. then that's it and it's just it's kind of like why <laughs> you know well, and
0: those were already <laughs> slated for release too so this yeah. has been they've known about this for months at this point um, and they just haven't shared anything with us
1: yeah, it's just it's just kind of weird to understand because like I don't really get why they why they don't wanna do it anymore, why they're trying to stop, especially since I know with more people staying at home and they're buying their movies that they can't stream it, they're gonna go for like the highest quality movie mm-hmm. to at least get some sort of at-home theater experience. I figured now would be the better time more than ever to to really jump on that and try to give them the best quality uh, movies that they can possibly give them at this time.
0: Yeah. And I think half the reason too is like production, right? So when COVID came, production halted on so much, you know, they started have having to shift people to working at home. Um it, you know, impacted the video game industry pretty hard and it impacted Hollywood, because obviously you can't make movies if you're not on set. And uh it also influenced the production of some of these things. So we're seeing the release of Mulan on Disney Plus here soon. And I think, you know, they're gauging kind of the audience interest with that. So with Mulan being released, you know, at home, I assume that they're going to wait for the numbers to come in. And then they're going to kind of decide if they want to release it on, you know, physical 4K. Um, But if it does really well digitally, you know, it's just going to – it's just – An upward trend, I guess. And, you know, the more and more they see their decline of physical media sales and revenue, the more that they're going to start pushing to digital. Now, people collectors of these films um, are going to be pretty hurt by this. I know I have one friend specifically who collects 4K physical um, and he collects anything and everything from a 24 films to, you know, some of the criterion releases uh, things like that, and with this news, you know Disney is probably the biggest company. I mean, obviously they take up a huge share at the box office every year. Oh, so yeah. in my in my eyes, they're the biggest company out there right now on the production and distribution side of things. And so for me, this signals that the actual market for physical 4K is declining, and they're just the first ones to hop on, which is really strange because. They make a lot of money um, and they can put some of that money towards, you know, actually producing the physical 4K media. But it Mm -hmm. seems like they're going to be the first ones, oddly, to to basically phase it out over the course of the next couple of years. So it's a big deal. Um, It's not necessary. It's not dooming physical media right now. I want to be clear about that. Um, physical media is still very much alive, but this marks the start of the end, essentially, um, which is kind of sad. Do you collect like physical media or are you digital?
1: I, I'm definitely a physical collector. I always preferred like DVDs over downloading them on the TV mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just like physically having my movies and just having a decent collector. And that's more of like the horror film buff in me. Like it's, it's always number one horror movies. I want that on DVD Mm -hmm. and it's so frustrating because it feels like no one really understands why, like why I prefer it that way. But I think it's just kind of just because I grew up watching DVDs. Like it's not even VHS. I grew up on like DVDs and like stealing the movies off the movie rack from my parents watching this stuff. So I think it's just kind of, uh, just kind of like a childhood thing. So I definitely understand why people would be upset at this sort of things. I would be too, especially if if Disney movies were more of my thing, I would be upset too if I wasn't able to actually buy them on DVD.
0: Yeah, uh, I buy some things on DVDs still uh, on discs, things that I really like, like typically things that I will go see multiple times in the movie theaters, and then I'll buy, you know, the release of it, uh, a physical copy, just so I always have it. With things exactly. that I like, but I'm less interested in, I do use digital. Um, so I'm not going to be one that's like, oh, I only buy physical releases, because that's not entirely true. Um, but I still think physical media is a huge market. And even though it's declining, it it has its following and it has people. It does. Who- yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So I just, I hope that. Uh, d- there was an uh, update to the article um that that we're reading off of where bas- basically a disney spokesperson spokesperson was like um uh, quote there are no plans to discontinue releases in a particular format. we evaluate each release on a case by case basis and pursue the best strategy to bring our content into customers' homes and across platforms that need a variety of demands um and so they're not uh, they want to be clear that they're not you know ending everything but you know, you, you say that, but then you're basically talking about how you're not going to release anything um, from 20th Century Studios, and that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I know that they don't want to freak people out, um, but they did the same thing th- for Mulan, which basically, you know, Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, was like, this this is just a one-time thing. We're just doing this one time, releasing Mulan on Disney+. Plus. All the other releases will come out theatrically, which... I do believe because they make a lot of money at the box office. Um, But, you know, at the same time, there was an insider uh, who works for Disney, you know, um, on that side of the industry who said that, like, no, he's like, he's lying. Like, we are looking at this model, this. So Disney is very much like a company that, like, I'm not going to take them for what they say ever. Um, But, you know, at the same time, like, uh, at least I guess they're not canceling it completely. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: Uh, not, not anything on here. I mean, with Mulan, I mean, I, I know that Mulan was going to be one of those movies that just like the only one that they're going to release strictly on Disney plus, at least for the time being, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, theaters aren't open yet, but then I keep hearing like, Rumors or like people commenting on the post that just want to boycott Mulan altogether because of the actress. Oh, really?
0: I haven't seen this.
1: Apparently, the actress is like really controversial in China because I guess she's someone that's spoken out against supporting the death penalty. Oh. And a lot of people are just not okay with that. So I know a lot of people who have Chinese ancestry or are from China are just wanting to boycott the film altogether. So when I saw like links like on Facebook talking about how Mulan's going to be just on Disney Plus and then it, it'll be like released on a DVD, people are like, you don't really have to put it on there at all, you know? <laughs> I was like, oh. And so, yeah, I guess there's just, like, a lot of controversy around the actress in China right now. So I just think that's insane, too.
0: Well, that's interesting. I did yeah. not I did not know that little bit. And especially because, like, there was that whole controversy when they announced the production of this, when it was in pre-production. You know, um, they had cast a bunch of – or they were at least scouting a bunch of white actors um, to play, you know, critical roles of Mulan. And they got right. a lot of controversy. So they, you know, they increased – you know the amount of people on set that that weren't white um and you know they tried to make it uh, as true as they possibly could and there's still controversy i did not i did not know that so that's interesting um yeah i you know i i don't know who knows what's going to happen with mulan do you have disney plus
1: i do have disney plus
0: are you planning on watching it
1: um <laughs> Not, not really. To be
0: honest, <laughs> me either. Not at thirty dollars. I mean,
1: I heard about how they tried to whitewash Mulan, and I was—that was just the most annoying piece of news I had ever read because there is no reason yeah. why a white actor or actress should be in this movie. It is about China. It is about Mulan, who is Chinese, so mm-hmm. it should only be a Chinese cast.
0: Yeah, and so like. Yeah, I don't know how in 2019 they they could get away with trying that, but they did. They did try. <laughs> uh because Disney
1: no, is no, bad no, company. No. Uh
0: thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um Disney <laughs> I just like I'm sure people that listen to this podcast by now are like this guy just hates Disney and everything to do with Disney and like I don't hate their product necessarily. I just don't like some of their company practices. And unfortunately, for a really long time, they've been racist. So let's just call it what it is. Um, And yeah, so Mulan, you know, I'm not going to pay $30 on top of my Disney Plus subscription to watch it.
1: That was another thing that... That was another reason why I wasn't going to watch Mulan. Because it's like, I'm already paying for Disney+. Plus. I'm not going to pay an additional $20 on top of that when I'm already paying for the streaming service. If
0: if they wanted to do, like, an additional, like, you know, um, basically single-digit amount, like, if they wanted to do another $10 or, like, you know, $8, something to cap it at $15, um, maybe. Yeah, maybe I would, but... No, it just feels
1: like with the twenty dollar payment, they're like over anticipating what the box office sales would have been.
0: Yeah, well, that's exactly what they're doing. And the thing is, is they made so much money; they made billions of dollars last year alone. Um, They're fine. They're fine on money.
1: They don't need my extra twenty bucks.
0: Also, no one that that basically they don't. Everyone that was working at Twentieth Century Fox before the acquisition um, is no longer working at Disney like they acquired that studio and everyone's gone.
1: Oh my everyone's god. Everyone's been
0: fired. So like they they have no reason to like charge that amount for this movie in my opinion. But uh
1: No, absolutely not. Yeah, And I mean, between you and me, the only reason why I got Disney Plus was because I heard Adventures and Babysitting was going to be on it. <laughs> and I was so upset when I found out it wasn't even going to be released until next year. Yeah. So I just I just have it now. It's just on there. I made accounts for my brother and my sister. But I'm just I'm just waiting for the day Adventures and Babysitting goes on there.
0: That's totally fair. I um I got Disney Plus for The Mandalorian, and also I got Disney Plus for that Jeff Goldblum show, which I do love Jeff Goldblum. So like that was worth it. Um, because yeah. was doing wacky things on that show, and I just appreciated <laughs> it a lot. But uh, it's just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum, and that's I'll, I'll pay for it. Um, but basically, like I've definitely thought about canceling it several times, just because like none of the Avengers stuff is really releasing. Um, I didn't really like i mean i liked the mandalorian but like i, I have no interest of in watching season two if that makes sense i know it's kind of a hot take um but i just didn't think it was what people were chalking it up to be and so like for me disney plus like has only decreased in value since release and uh it's probably doesn't bode well which is probably why they i don't know their metrics but i'm assuming that they've lost some subscribers um yeah. probably not a lot but enough for them to go whoa um so they probably were like you know charge an extra fee on mulan let's make some money which i guess <laughs> fine but like also f you uh <laughs> um,
1: i feel like if people are as cheap as i am right now they're they're not gonna do very well so
0: well yeah and yeah there's like, an extra yeah. added layer of do people even have money for that right now um i mean i'm sure families like you know if you have you know a nuclear family if you have a few kids and husband and wife and everything's going good actually that saves you a lot of money doing it that way so it makes sense for them but for me by myself watching mulan i'm i can't do
1: that it's it's not something that's worth 20 bucks like if i'm gonna rent a movie from home i do pay close attention to the price if it's anything like above like most movies that I rent are either like two ninety nine or three ninety nine, so I guess anything above that I usually just kind of think mm, I'll I'll wait a little later.
0: Yeah, because I'm yeah. just
1: renting it for two days. I mean, it I I really don't think it's a good idea to pay more than more than what four dollars for that. So
0: yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. But uh, um, enough about Disney. I could, go, <laughs> I could I could make like I'm sure like a whole month's worth of podcast about Disney and what I don't think they're doing correctly. And like, it would be just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Um, why don't we move on to the last news topic here, which is something that I'm really pumped about and really excited to talk about. We kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, but we have a new horror film festival um, that's exclusively online. Coming in October, Um, the, you know, the festival is called Night Stream and it's for horror fans, which I'm pretty pumped about. It It runs from October 8th to 11th um, and it's going to feature a lot of different like indie, like horror films that are both a mix of international horror fantasy and sci-fi, as well as being like imaginative, daring um, and bold uh, So things that probably wouldn't get a theatrical release are going to be on this, uh, you know, in this virtual film festival, which I'm pumped for because anything that's so like weird and wacky that theaters don't book and have a hard time booking. That's my kind of film. I I love the unsettling nature of movies that are unconventional, and it seems like this film festival is gearing towards it. And like I said, Linda, I might be able to get us some press passes. So I'm certain that we've gotten some press passes for this. So...
1: I think that would be so freaking cool. I love the idea behind it, like the conveniency of it. Because I've always wanted to go to like the film festivals that they have out in Omaha. But due to like work, due to, you know, distance and me and my talent of having really crappy cars, I've never been able to go to film festivals. So having one that's like completely online, being able to just enjoy it wherever I am would honestly be like a dream come true for me.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. And um, it is geolocked. So they use uh, – apparently they use Eventive, which offers like enhanced security features. It's the same DRM technology that Disney+, Plus, iTunes, and Netflix all use. So yeah, it's going to be safe to watch it if you're concerned about that. The ticket prices, I must admit, are a little steeper than I thought they would be. So right now they're doing early bird badges – um, which are on sale right now, uh, you can get a five-film bundle or a 10-film package priced at $55 and $90, respectively. And let me check, because I know on their site, uh, they give the actual prices of the packages if you don't get the early bird price. So um, the Night Owl badge, which is the fine film five film package uh is gonna increase to sixty five dollars in September. And then the homebody badge, which is the 10 film package, is gonna really uh increase to wow, I did not realize that, is gonna increase to $99 in September. Um so if you're looking at going to this festival um and you you like horror, you're a fan of horror, you wanna see some like cool inventive indie horror stuff, I would definitely get your tickets now. Um, just because they are considerably cheaper, about 10 bucks, which, you know, if you can save 10 bucks in this pandemic, you probably should. Um, So (laughs) I would encourage you to do that. But um, I also want to talk about like kind of what this festival is doing to like basically combine a bunch of smaller like indie festivals, horror festivals that happen across this country. So Nightstream itself uh, is a combination of Horror film, film festivals from Brooklyn, from L.A., from Florida. Uh, you have the Underground Film Festival. You have Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, North Bend Film Festival. You have the Overlook Film Festival. And then you have Popcorn Frights. Um, all of those like uh, kind of national like um, festivals that occur in a bunch of different places across the U.S. are just combining forces to release some of their submissions on this one banner of Nightstream. And I think that's really cool. I I hear a lot of, like, really good things, um, specifically about the Brooklyn uh, Horror Film Festival, North Bend, and the Overlook. The Overlook's in L.A. Um, But, like, I personally have wanted to go to the Overlook Film Festival for years. So when I got this opportunity to... um, you know, stay at home and go to the festival, but also see all of the cool, like, horror films that they have, like, on demand, Uh, I, I was totally ready for it.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just having that nice balance between, like, comfort and convenience, especially with how this year has been going, I think this is definitely something, like, the horror fan community really needs right now, especially with yeah. events around Halloween time getting canceled. Like, I mean, everything's getting shut down now looking at you non-mask wearers. And <laughs> I just I think it would just be a really good idea especially for now just being able to watch these horror movies and being able to dip your toe in new releases again all while, you know, keeping within order of the 6-foot rule and just mm-hmm being in your home and you know i i get that the tickets are a little pricey but i think just with everything else being canceled right now if you are going to dedicate money to something for the halloween season i think this one would be a good investment for you
0: i do too and for a few reasons it has a good mix of both feature films and short films so it's not going to be something that you have to like commit a lot of time to basically those packages give you the option to select which films you want to see um which is another cool feature of this whole thing so there are limited like amounts of tickets per se or like seats for each film, so if you really know like of a film that's going to be included in this festival that you want to watch, um, I would get one of those packages right now. And then once they announce the full slate, I would definitely reserve your spot to like watch whatever film that you're wanting to watch. Um, it's just another incentive to kind of provide that that feeling of exclusivity to like the festival itself, having a right. you know, limited number of screenings for each, which I think is a really cool feature of it. Some might argue that it's um, not consumer friendly that way, but I would argue that like it preserves the feeling of exclusivity that you get going to festivals. So um, I'm all for it, uh, especially since some of these things are going to be released and they're going to be big. Like they're, I'm sure that they're going to have one or two, Huge movies that they're premiering on this night stream film fest, and so I would encourage everyone to not miss out on those.
1: Right, and like you said, these prices are giving you like options of which movies you want to watch. So it's not like the price is tied to just one movie that you get to watch during this whole this whole time. It's mm-hmm. it's multiple movies, and you you do get that feeling of exclusivity, especially since you know typically at film festivals the the movies haven't even been like released yet so you get to be one of the first people to be able to watch this kind of stuff and i think that's just a really cool thing to be able to do so i mean i think if you are like a horror fan i i feel like this would be something that you would go to and at the same time i kind of get why people who aren't like as big of moviegoers would want to do it but i still think it'd be a really fun experience to try at least once and i think now would be the best time to really do it
0: i do too um and because who knows how safe theaters are going to be when they reopen here soon and like some of the theaters aren't even opening like i think here in lincoln for us they i know marcus is looking at reopening they're going to reopen by the end of the month so i'm thinking that they're probably going to release uh, with new mutants um on the 28th i think is kind of where they're aiming and there is definitely questions about whether or not people are ready for it. So if you're one who wants new content and you're like a genre fan, you love the horror genre or the thriller psychological genre. um, And you don't necessarily feel comfortable going to the movie theater. I think this is a great option for you to kind of get, a, you know, nice little palette cleanse of things that are going to be releasing here in the next year or so. And film festivals are so fun. I've been to a few of them. And, you know, you just meet so many new people. And I get that that component is missing here. Um, The component of being in a room watching something for the first time with a bunch of people. But, you know, honestly, gather some of your horror friends, you know, and then just have a like little festival night at home. I don't see why that isn't normalized more um especially during these times i like i would encourage everyone if you have a bunch of friends that love horror that love you know psychological thrillers that love weird sci-fi like just gather everyone have a have a festival you know night or a couple of days or however you want to do it but like I, it just sounds like a lot of fun to me
1: just really make it like your own festival like you know do it how you would want it to be done you know
0: Now, don't think I would let you off that easy without at least one more ad read. The good news, though, I'm simply trying to tell you about our website, TheBoroughReviews.com. We have plenty of articles and reviews for you to read as you ponder your existence during these trying times. Like indie movies? How about blockbusters? The good news is we cover all types of film, but we especially love a good horror movie. So, if you're a Nebraska local looking for a review of your latest project, we got you. Simply search TheBoroughReviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. If you have a short or feature film you'd like for us to review, and you aren't a Nebraska filmmaker, we'll still cover your film at no charge. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Now, not every submission will be accepted, but it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews. Your Movie Refuge. All right, so now I want to get into something that I am really excited to talk about, and that is Host, um, that was released on Shudder just in the past few weeks here. Um, It's directed by Rob Savage, uh, and Gemma Hurley and Rob Savage also wrote the film. Um, Six friends hire a medium to hold a seance via Zoom during lockdown, but they get far more than they bargain for as things quickly go wrong um this was a treat to watch how how did you feel about it
1: i actually really did like it um usually when it comes to movies in this format where it's just everyone in like a video chat uh it it gives it makes it so then there's a lot going on so it kind of brings the viewer out of it but i think they did really well with this one um, it's honestly the shortest non-horror short that I've ever watched. I mean, the runtime is mm-hmm. only 56 minutes. Yeah. Um, But I mean, it makes sense considering it is like a video chat and they keep it strictly in a video chat. So I think it makes sense that it's only like an hour instead of an hour and a half, almost two hours.
0: Yeah. Um. So I actually really like that because often what happens with these films is they go on for too long. And mm-hmm. then I just stop caring because they're doing the same thing over and over again, um, right. I get, like unfriended. But that's really the only one that I like of this format. I even have a hard time like, OK, this is going to be a hot take. Um, I don't know how you feel about found footage films, but they are not my cup of tea. And sure. I try and do everything I can to like avoid them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of found footage films either. They're completely overdone, and it's honestly a really stale take on horror movies nowadays, especially since they keep repeating the formula instead of doing something different with it. But, I mean, this one, it keeps a really decent pace for found footage horror films, which is another problem that it typically has. And I, I think that credit really does go to the overall runtime. Like they they make everything happen like all all there without dragging it for too long, which is a really nice nice thing to watch. And I mean I, I thought of Unfriended 2 when I was looking at this movie like mm-hmm. it kind of gives you those vibes I mean with like the Facebook or like messenger chats but it also gave me Blair Witch Project and VHS vibes as well just kind of like with the jump scares and like with mm-hmm. like the supernatural stuff going on and I mean I, I really liked how it reminded me of VHS because I do really like VHS
0: vhs is so it's it's such a delight to watch um but yeah like you said um the pacing was just on point because you have a feature film here which goes on for long enough for you to care about the characters and for shit to really hit the fan but it doesn't pass the point of being like overdone so that way like they have to explain the mythology of everything that's happening and like what's wrong here and why is this happening? They don't like explain any of that, which I love. I mean, you get just enough to put, you know, the pieces together of like what happened, but they right. don't like overdo it to the point where you're like, it's not like insidious where you're creating a whole entire like horror universe um, or like the conjuring or, you know, so they don't push it to that point. So it hits this nice sweet spot of being entertaining Um just enough but also like i found like all of the characters here they're not like okay so the cast basically is playing themselves here which is a really nice take on everything i think especially for it you know being recorded over zoom i think that it's all like Well, okay, let me rephrase. It's not necessarily recorded all on Zoom, but it's meant to look like it's a Zoom call. Um, And so like you get this really nice feature of feeling like close to the characters and like all of them seem to have really good chemistry with each other. Like it was a friend group that was very like believable. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't enough or there wasn't like too much over explaining of things that are going on in the character's life. You just got to see them interact for this one call. And I think that made it like – it was almost like voyeuristic in a way because you were watching them and you're like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not part of this (laughs) friend group and they seem like they're close. So like it added that layer of authenticity to it, which I don't often get with like, I didn't even get this way with unfriended necessarily. I didn't get these vibes and something that they also did on production that I found to be really interesting. um, I was listening to a podcast with Perry Nemiroff, Haley Fouch and Rob Savage, the director of this film and basically, he lays out kind of how they made the film. So I don't know if you know this, but um, the scare scenes, the jump scares and things like that were all films like beforehand, before the rest of the film. So that while the while the characters were on the call and they were watching like the other people's screens, um, they didn't necessarily know what was going to happen. And so because all of those were pre-recorded, um, basically, they were live reacting to what was occurring On their like friends screens because this is a movie that like is filmed with a bunch of friends and to you know see your friend like you know thrown across the room or whatever uh, it's I don't know it would it would be frightening to me and especially like. Because they are so close in real life, like, again, I think it adds another layer of authenticity. And also, I don't know if you know this, but the cast was only given a 17 page outline for this film. (laughs) So there was no real like dialogue set up. So this is just like live interaction. You know, they obviously had outlines of like specific things to talk about for the context of the film. But a lot of it was like improvised.
1: Yeah, um, I I did read about how they they filmed that stuff beforehand and the limited script. I I looked into the movie a little bit because I thought it was really interesting how this movie was kind of built around a prank. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's like a short film or something like that 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 was kind of based off the prank that uh, di- that the director of the film did on his friends yeah. during a Zoom call, which I found really funny, because that's totally something I would do. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really cool, and I'm sure like with keeping your name and also you know having a limited script to leave room for a lot of improvisation and kind of doing your own thing, I think that really helped build up the chemistry between the friends, especially with that really limited backstory that you get on them. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it made it really easy for the cast to just kind of feel more like themselves during the movie instead of having to feel like they have to like build a whole character arc. So yeah. I think that was a really good idea, especially with um, filming those, uh, those big jump scenes. Uh, beforehand to get a genuine reaction out of them i think that was a really really smart move on the director's end uh, especially with the format that they were using for the film to just really get a good reaction out of this cast and just kind of keep really everyone in the cast and crew just on the edge of their seat to really keep that that tense uh that tense aura just all around the movie i think that that really helped play into it overall so i think that was a really good idea
0: yeah and like everyone there's not like a weak part of the cast either so we have hayley bishop Gemma moore um emma webb uh um drandova i think is how you say that last name and then caroline ward and alan emmers uh they're all like really good in their own way and they don't feel like overwritten because they're playing themselves again i feel like you get this level of authenticity and like because they're not overwritten like that, each of them has a very distinct, like, personality that really comes through. No one really overshadows the other one. And what that kind of creates is a situation where um, you you care about what's happening to everyone, even if people make certain mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most, like, I think, prominent features of this, of this film is the tension between basically our two leads, Haley Bishop and then Gemma Moore. Um, the tension there is so, like, palpable um especially once they start the séance and i'm not we're not spoiling anything here but you know there's a level of tension between the friends too which i think works really well um because you have two like very strong like personalities coming through there and so it doesn't become just a story of you know a séance and things going wrong in the séance it's also a story of friend dynamics and how these people are working together. And you even get a sense of that when everyone's bashing on, you know, Alan and his, and his girlfriend. Uh, and you get the sense that these are really, you know, friends and, uh, they do have, I read that they have like, um, basically a sequel kind of lined up already. It's not going to be apparently anything like the first, but the film was received really, really well. I'm talking like, if you go on IMDb, their meta score is a 72, um and so that's pretty nice the the like audience rating is only 6.7 on imdb but then you go over to rotten tomatoes and with currently 48 reviews it has a 100 percent among critics on rotten tomatoes Good. which is a pretty big deal and the audience score is at 79 percent too um so people seem to like enjoy this film a lot which i'm glad i think it's kind of you know a light in a really dark time um also it's not one of those like horror movies that feels too heavy either you it's still light enough to where you can have fun with it and it's not too intense
1: yeah i mean that was that was another thing that i it really took me by surprise actually like it brought out a lot of like different emotions in me like of course I was you know just kind of waiting for like the next spooky thing to happen but at the same time I was also feeling angry at like certain characters when they were doing stupid things you know like like with Gemma especially in like Her little feud with Haley, just kind of like you mentioned before, that that tensity between the two of them, like I felt a, a lot of emotions for such a short film and it made me realize just how dedicated to it I was and you know it in the end i i really liked how it really brings the viewer in and mm-hmm. just makes you feel worried for the character feel sorry for the character especially with what limited things they actually did for these people and i think that's just so so impressive it
0: is really impressive um and also you know it was made during obviously the coronavirus times the pandemic but they they make a couple references to it in the movie, but it doesn't feel overplayed. It's not like that's not the central plot of the movie is no, that I they're know. having to do this on a Zoom call. You know, they like, it's just kind of normalized within the film and I think that's brilliant because like we all know about the, the virus, you know, we don't need to be beat over the head with it like 10,000 exactly. times during the runtime, and they only touch on it like really like I think two or three times that they really even like mention it or reference it. So... Um, It's just really refreshing because we're going to get a whole slew of movies about quarantines that are strictly based on those quarantines. Um, And this wasn't that, you know, they could have, you know, take, for instance, you know, if they if the the person that was leading the seance um salen i think is her name Mm -hmm. uh if she was leading the seance but she lived in a different country so they had to do this over zoom you know um it didn't have to be because of the coronavirus um it wasn't leveraged on the plot at all and i really appreciate that
1: i think they took it more as like an opportunity for the format rather than make it part of the plot exactly And I think that's a that's kind of another like rookie mistake that a lot of found footage horror films really make is they try to put like the reason why it's on found footage. They like try to like shove it in your face, even if it's not necessarily relevant. Yeah. And with this one, it's like, okay, it's the coronavirus. We'll mention it once and then that's it because really you don't need much more explanation than that.
0: Yeah, it's honestly brilliant, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, So uh, final ratings, like what would you give this?
1: I I would give it a strong, like, 7 or 8 out of 10. My only real problem with it was near the end of the film, like, their jump scares with, like, the actual, like supernatural forces. Like they reminded me of those YouTube videos that you would watch in middle school where it was like a nice serene yeah. like area and then all of a sudden that like scary face like jumps on the screen. Yeah. I did not like that. And I felt for a film like this it was completely unnecessary because they were doing perfectly fine without it. And mm-hmm. I think it was just because they felt that they needed something a little more when really they didn't. I think they just kind of underestimated themselves on the whole fear factor of it all and i think if they took those youtube-esque jump scares with those faces out of them i would have given it a much higher rating but that was really like the only real problem i had with it
0: yeah see uh i have the exact opposite reaction um i understand where you're coming from but like at the same time like i feel like with so many of these things you know um take paranormal activity for instance it's the closest thing that i can think of um to kind of some of the setups here but you have that movie and you don't really see anything the whole time and so when you have like um you know this entity that you can actually like physically see and like um that it's there uh i i quite like that whole Um, it's kind of thrilling almost because for once, you know, it's like, oh shit, well, something's actually there. It's not like something that they can't see. I, the, the face, the face of the thing, the demon, uh, was a little strange for me, but like at the same time, um, I don't know necessarily what they were working with, obviously very limited in terms of like visual effects or like makeup department. So, you know, they did, they worked with what they could. Um, But I would still like I think the one issue that I had with it um, was kind of the the like retracing of some things like they would often like walk back and forth a couple of times too much like they would take their computer their phone with them to go do things there were a couple of instances where that felt a little tried for me um, right. specifically with Haley's character. Actually, I thought Haley that Haley's sections where she's like walking through her house with her computer feel a little tired to me, but like everything else was phenomenal. And, uh, I think I end up at the same score that you do. I think I'm going to give it an eight out of 10 or four out of five. And, um, yeah, I, it, I, it's worth checking out if you have a shutter subscription, which if you're a horror fan and you don't have a shutter subscription, how dare you? Um, but, uh, no for for just a simple little movie that's under an hour um i think it works really well so
1: oh yeah definitely um like you said before with like the camera stuff i i i definitely know what you're talking about because i know that the character caroline was doing that a lot
0: mm-hmm. she was the one
1: that like was like walking around in her attic so yeah i mean that that did kind of bother me too but i mean once those like Weird jump scares started coming out. That that's what really topped it for me. Like, nope, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I liked uh I liked the attic stuff with Caroline actually. Um you know, I the addict really stuff was
1: well. really good. And if you look really closely, it happens again with the character Radina. I thank God I was watching this with someone because I totally missed it, but my friend caught it. So we mm-hmm. like went back and we saw it and That was just a huge thing for me. I thought that was really, really decent. And, I mean, if they did stuff like that with those faces where it's, like, not really in your face, but, like, if mm-hmm. you're just paying attention and you see it, I probably wouldn't have had as big of a problem with it. It was just the fact that it was, like, kind of just in your face, like, trying too hard to scare you. That was really what took me out of it. But if they did it more on a casual level, I feel like I wouldn't have had as big of a problem with it, like, what they did with, like, the feet and stuff.
0: Okay. 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 Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah, well, that is our host review. Um, I think you should definitely check it out. Uh, so do that on your own time. All right. Uh, well, we're going to do something new here, uh, and we're going to jump into a trailer review, which is the, which is a first for the into the Burrow podcast. Um, I haven't actually done one of these on here yet, but, uh, I wanted to talk about Netflix's new movie, Um, The Devil All the Time, starring Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. Uh, What did you feel about the trailer after watching it?
1: Uh, I really liked seeing Robert Pattinson in it uh he's really just trying out different genres and i think horror thriller really works for him like surprisingly i don't think anyone expected robert pattinson to be in films like these but i'm really glad that he is uh giving it a go with like the lighthouse and now this one which honestly from the trailer i would consider more of a thriller but regardless he's he's a really good actor and i'm really happy to see him in more films like these um, but in the trailer, like you can tell it's a really star-studded cast, which is really nice. And it's got a lot of suspense in it. And it seems like there's even like a little bit of a mystery tied up in the film too. So I'm really interested to see how that goes too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, to kind of give you a little bit of background on the film, um, I, I do agree. It's more of like a thriller in my eyes and it gives me like very, like, gothic western vibes so kind of like season 1 of True Detective I don't know if you've watched any of that season but it's phenomenal Um, just to give you a little bit of the film synopsis here Tom Holland plays a young man in the backwoods of um, Ohio, uh, swept up in a terrifying and seductive uh, Midwest gothic tale as he faces an unholy preacher, a twisted couple and a crooked sheriff. Befitting of the genre there are also spooky handmade crosses everywhere. So it seems kind of fun Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like it's one of these situations where you're in a small town and like everyone is like evil on some level and you have to watch your back like constantly and like always, you know, um, basically have a third eye in the back of your head. Uh, and Tom Holland in that situation, I can't wait to see like his, I haven't really seen him in anything other than Spider-Man. So I can't wait to like get a sense of his range. Um, and right. see what he can do in like a totally different property than Marvel. Um, you know, same thing with that uncharted movie that he's in, you know, that's going to release sometime in the next year. Like, uh, I just want to see him in more things. Cause I do think he's a really good actor. I'm just excited to see his range. Obviously we know that Robert Pattinson has range. We've seen the range in things like high life and things like, uh, the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for Robert Pattinson in this movie. It's just whether or not, I think from what I understand of the trailer, Robert Pattinson's going to land. Um, I'm not sure if Tom Holland will, but the trailer was really good. And the cast is like rounded out by a bunch of fantastic actors. Um, and, the one actor that I always feel like a little worried about when I see him in a project is Jason Isaac. Just because every time he's a lead in a movie, I end up not liking that movie. And I don't know if it's him or not. I think it's him. And I don't think he's a bad actor. I just don't like his delivery and his his face, I guess. I just don't like his face. <laughs> <shape. laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't know i don't know like i just uh winchester um pet cemetery i just don't like it uh Terminator, i don't know what
1: the deal with jason clark is i just don't like a single thing about him
0: yeah well okay i think i think he he's a good actor like i said i just it seems like he chooses a lot of like are you sure, projects though? what was that I said are you sure though <laughs> i you know i don't know i don't know um <laughs> We'll see. I guess we'll see. He's in a limited role here. He's in a supporting role, so he's not yeah. one of the main characters. So I should be more okay with it, um, I believe. But you have Bill Skarsgård, um, Haley Bennett, and a few other people that are really notable in this movie. Sebastian Stan, for for instance, who is another Marvel alum. So it'll be interesting to see how this project does. I hope that they get a lot of like um, views. It is Netflix after all, but it debuts on Netflix on the 16th of September. So we've got just, um, a month exactly away from its release and I can't wait to see what they've done.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, like you said before, uh, Tom Holland, like people only know him as Spider-Man and people only know him from the Marvel cinematic universe, So I think with a film like this, especially if it does well, it's going to open up a lot of doors for him and he's going to be able to do a whole wide range of movies and really step out of that Marvel uh, screen that he's really built for himself. So I think this is going to be a really, really good opportunity for someone who's still as young as Tom Holland.
0: Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up there. Um, And Netflix, according to them, they get a lot of viewership. So hopefully Mm -hmm. it does nothing but boost his career a little bit. Um, But moving on, uh, why don't we cover some of what's going on on streaming this past weekend? Some of the things that you can check out during your work week. If you're working at home, you know, you're at your desk, your office inside your house, um, and you're a little bored at work, you know, you're in a Zoom meeting, um, you don't have any pants on, why don't you just like hop on, <laughs> hop on streaming, hop on Netflix and watch a movie while you work. Mind as well, right? Um, we have streaming this weekend. Uh, Safety Not Guaranteed on Netflix. It stars um, Aud- Aubrey Plaza and also Mark Duplass. And um, the synopsis reads, a classified ad asks for a partner for time travel, but instead yields a visit from three journalists who are after a story. This small film is bigger on the inside than it would appear on the outside. Um I I might check this out. I know that you're kind of interested in it, right?
1: Oh yeah. I'm I'm a fan of Mark Duplass. I loved him in horror such as creep and I loved him in comedy like in the league. So I I that is definitely one that I think I might check out.
0: Yeah. I mean I might check it out too, just for the simple fact of I I have a lot of respect for Aubrey Aubrey Plaza but after that Child's Play movie last year like it was just great. Um oh my
1: gosh, that's that's why I'm not really eager to watch any more stuff from her. Yeah. <laughs> like I I think that really like killed it for her. I mean, she was my only main criticism from that movie like
0: yeah it a little flat
1: a few more like faults in of itself, but she was like my biggest argument there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was a little flat in that movie. And hopefully this kind of salvages what's left after a child's play. But um, we also have Project Power on Netflix. Uh, The synopsis reads, in the future, everybody will be a superhero for five minutes. That's essentially the premise of Project Power, where a drug can either grant um, superhuman abilities for a super short amount of time or prove fatal. Naturally, Jamie Foxx, jamie fox is in it and he both takes it and tries it to take down those selling it so um i imagine it's got to be somewhat of an action movie uh yeah. it's got jamie fox i i don't know the premise sounds interesting um enough for me to check out at least once i've seen a lot of like interviews and junkets on it the past week um seems like a lot of people either love it or hate it so take that for right. what you will Um, we also have, this is Dominic Fike, the next big thing on Hulu, which is a documentary series from New York times. It examines how Dominic Fike left jail with a record deal and then embarked on a world tour. So if you're into documentaries, that might be your thing. We also have Lovecraft country on HBO, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, the Lovecraft country includes Jordan Peele and JJ Abrams. Um, so you can kind of feel their hand as producers of this, uh, show and, um, their influence in the trailer even. So it looks, it looks promising, I would say. And then we also have Carmen Elola on HBO. Um, a woman in Madrid is set to lead a traditional life until she falls in love with a fellow Roma woman, upsetting their community and families. So nice spicy drama. And then we also have the goes wrong show on Amazon video. Um, if you need a laugh, try these uh, short TV plays where um, something or many things go. You guessed it wrong. The BBC the BBC show has six episodes. It has a horror story, a wartime drama, a legal thriller, period romance, deep south melodrama, and a Christmas fable. Because you can't have a show, especially a BBC show, without a Christmas fable. Um, I I think that that sounds. Pretty promising especially if it's like an anthology series i haven't looked much into it but if they're switching out the cast every episode or even doing something where it's an anthology show with the same cast that's a whole lot of fun just because you're getting new sides to the actors every every episode and i'm sure they love it too just because they get to play such a wide variety of characters right um any of those sound appealing to you at all
1: um H.P. Lovecraft is one that always stands out to me just because I really love, uh, the vivid use of color in his works, like color out of space. Uh, they're just always so visually pleasing to me. And it always just, that immediately just draws me to any, any project he has good, good or bad. So that one's definitely one I'm interested in, in watching. And, um, i even heard a rumor that uh, it was going to be connected to color out of space as well um but that might just be because of the same writer or maybe there will be like a connection with them both who knows (laughs) um but yeah and i also really like the anthology series from bbc Two. i mean uh like you said if they keep with the same casting i feel like it could be like american horror story just how they keep the same casting and i think it'd be really really fun for them to just use one platform to experiment with many different characters yeah so i think that would be really interesting to watch as well um even though i don't really watch bbc programs a whole lot i know sherlock and you know doctor who stuff like that are really popular on there but i that's really as far into BBC as I've gone in, so maybe that'll expand my horizons a little bit more on that on that broadcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't necessarily watch BB, BBC shows either.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there's nothing wrong with them, from what I can tell. It's just there's so much other stuff happening all the time right. that, like you know, like. I don't know. There's always something to watch. And I find myself, you know, shifting more towards genre like content than I do like BBC. So it's just a personal preference. But I've heard really good things about most of their shows. So um, it sounds fun at the very least. So check it out and have fun, I guess. But um, yeah, so. I think we did a really good job this episode just at, <laughs> just at uh, talking. Um, you know, <laughs> It's not hard to do, but sometimes it's hard to do uh, as uh, you hear me struggle all the time. But uh, no, I'm really glad that you could join us for this episode. Um, I had a lot of fun like, talking about all the different horror content. We had a lot of horror news this week.
1: Perfect. I, I really enjoy being on here. I, I like doing the burrow reviews again.
0: Yeah, uh, it's been a while. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad we can start getting back into it. Uh, I did, by the way, set up my green screen. So at some point, if Corona ever lets up, we can go back to doing video reviews too. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I found space in my little tiny office for the green screen to go up and stay (laughs) up. So I'm kind of happy about it just because for a while there, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to put it up, you know, and have it up all the time. But uh, it makes like setting up for the videos so much easier to have it just sitting there already. That's good. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah. um, So hopefully we will hear from Linda in the future. But thank you so much to everyone who uh, listened to the podcast today. Um, make sure to subscribe on all the channels wherever you get your podcasts from. If you get them from Apple, Spotify, or Google, we're on all three of those, as well as Deezer and a few other platforms. The only one that we're not on is Spotify, or not Spotify, uh Pandora, because who listens to Pandora still. Um My mom would. Uh, and I know a lot of moms do, but um <laughs> other than that, like uh I just couldn't get us listed on Pandora for some reason. Like every other podcast provider was like, yeah, sure, we'll host. Um, but they, for whatever reason, didn't let us get listed on there. I don't know if it's because technically we're flagged as like an explicit show or whatever, because I sometimes cuss because I get mad. But,
1: oh, I uh, can suck it.
0: Yeah. So whatever. I I mean, I don't know anyone who listens to their podcast on Pandora. So like, I think we're fine there. But um, make sure to also follow the Burr Reviews on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and also Twitter. We're pretty active on all those platforms. So if you follow us there, you'll never miss a podcast episode or any of the other great content we got. Um, But until next time, see ya.